Good afternoon, and welcome to the Voice of Wisdom. With over 60 years of experience as an investment banker, entrepreneur, investment analyst, economist, and venture capitalist, Morty Davis is Wall Street and capitalism personified. The over 400 companies for which he has raised more than $3 billion over the years have created a countless number of jobs and exciting new products. Through the voice of wisdom, Mr. Davis explores, analyzes, and debates the most topical political, economic, and social issues facing our world today. Joining Mr. Davis today for a discussion on the role of government is Deputy <clears throat> Lawrence Deputy Mayor Michael Fragan, as well as retired Nassau County Judge Vincent Peroni. And now, Mr. Davis, Mr. Fragan, and Mr. Peroni. <coughs> Welcome back to the fun program, The Voice of Wisdom, the knowledgeable uh, producer, knowledge producing program on the major issues. And I'm delighted to have uh, join me today two of the most uh, ch charming, charismatic, and truly brilliant uh, individuals. Uh, Michael Fragan, who's sitting right next to me, and uh, Vinny Peroni, who's going to be coming by a little later. <clears throat> so without further ado, I want to raise the issue that we're uh, going to discuss and the differences between us. Uh, I assume, uh, <clears throat> I hope they don't beat up too much on me, because I think both of them are in favor, more in favor of the Republican position uh, that I uh, am very critical of. The Republicans at the current time are taking the position that they won't raise the debt limit, that the nation uh, can um, exceed. They, they say it's enough, we have $31 trillion of debt, and the only way they'll agree to, um, the only way the Republicans say they'll agree to raising the that limit is if um, the Democrats agreed to cut commensurately other programs, particularly they referred to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, all of the um, safety net programs. They don't want to cut, uh, they have no interest in cutting uh, defense spending and, um, and certainly they don't want to raise um, taxes on the, on the uh, top 1% or top 10% as the uh, uh, Democrats propose as a way to you fund the debt. So let me uh, have um, Michael Fragan put his two cents in, and I hope he doesn't beat up me, uh, on me too badly today. Michael, well, it's a pleasure to have you on board. Thank you, Morty. I really appreciate being here. I appreciate being on the show. Uh, I wholeheartedly uh, going to disagree with what you said that there is wholeheartedly. Actually, yeah, yeah that's good. There is, so wholeheartedly. there is no Republican position right now. In fact, I think that the that's one of the problems. Um, you know, Republicans and the party is kind of of two minds with regard to the debt ceiling. Yes. They have this hard line position that they're going to wring concessions out of and play this game of bricksmanship that they're going to get to the default position that the United States of America will default on its debt obligations. And, uh, you know, I'm not quite as wise as you because you are the voice of wisdom after all. <laughs> but the idea that you don't have to pay for the money you, that you borrow should be anathema to Republicans. It should be anathema to all Americans. In fact, I would actually guess that that had been kind of the long-held Democrat position of continuing to just kind of continue to spend and continue to spend without any regard for how you're going to pay for it. But somehow we got into this position that everybody's political orthodoxies have been turned upside down. And in fact, you have... Uh, but I don't know. You know, there are deficit hawks within the Republican Party. There are... People who just want to are radicals and just want to tear the government down within the Republican Party. And, you know, who really speaks for the Republican Party right now? Is it Kevin McCarthy? Is it Donald Trump? Is it Mitch McConnell? Uh, Mitch McConnell seems to be the most stable politically of the three. So it's hard to know exactly where everybody is 
at this point. I'll tell you this, just in general in politics, everybody's trying to wring every concession that they can on the other side and use all the leverage that right. we can. So perhaps this is just a big political game. That's no different than uh, traditionally uh, <clears throat> the two sides and rightfully so, have different positions. I don't take issue with that. <clears throat> but when they play with this hazardous uh, kind of position or condition that they would uh, produce if they don't raise the debt limit, uh, it would cause the United States to default on its payments of interest on bonds or pay off bonds that mature. It would wouldn't permit them, the it wouldn't permit, permit them to pay our troops. It wouldn't permit them to pay all the government employees. It, it would be devastating and it would shake up the financial markets. So while what you said is true, and uh, I couldn't agree more, traditionally the Republicans are supposedly the more uh, uh, cautious in terms of uh, fiscal responsibility. They're against exceeding how much we spend. and uh, But in this case, they're, they're using a tool, a method that's jeopardizing the whole market, uh, the investment community, the bond community, and it's, it's too dangerous to play that game. You're convinced that they, they will uh, work it out, and in the past they have. In 2011, they didn't, and uh, the markets took a, a beating, and uh, uh, Moody's even lowered the debt rating of the United States Treasuries, which traditionally are the highest-rated AAA in the world. Everybody's comfortable parking their money in United States Treasuries. So it's something that we've never faced in the history of the country, not paying our our uh, what what our obligations are, and we're not talking in this case about future spending. We're talking about what already past was, uh, past obligations. What, what already they committed to spend and haven't got the money to pay for. Uh, you know the way the way they pay for it. The government is uh, uh, by borrowing more money. So, but they have to borrow to meet this current obligation. I think that there are those on the radical right and, and the radical left who have this idea that this is a Wall Street problem, that this is something that is purely about finance and financiers, and those are the only people who are going to get hurt by this. What they don't realize is if your average American all of a sudden is going to go for a mortgage, and now the mortgage rates are really high, but they're going to go for a car loan. Right. They're going to go for a credit card right, loan. They're, they're going to go, go for higher. any type of loan. Right, they'll go higher. Higher by, by right. know, let's say, five, six, maybe more points. Because right. once the risk-free rate is no longer going to be at you know, 3%, I guess what it is now or something like that, or a little bit lower, then once that risk-free rate pumps up by another three, four points right. because treasuries, U.S. treasuries are no longer as attractive an investment as they should be, everything else goes up too. So, you, so you're going to hurt all the voters who voted for you, Main Street America, all these people, farmers, all these people are going to get hurt by that. I think that that is the disconnect that you have right now on right and left, that they view this as this is a, an elite, elitist problem, not a real problem for most Americans. But most Americans every day, even if they're not necessarily in the stock market, they're not in the bond market, certainly, but they certainly are using the, the financial system. Yes, yeah, so you're sharing my view that it is uh, dangerous if they continue along this path. I think it's beyond dangerous, and I don't okay, think so I, don't, I don't think I just disagree with what the, with that. There is a single Republican position. I think there are multiple Republican positions right now. I think that's part of the problem. They're expressing it right now. Well, correct. There's something. <clears throat> I think what Kevin McCarthy is saying right now, and I think correctly so, is that Joe Biden will come to the negotiating table. He's saying, okay, let's talk. Let's talk about the long-term financial health of the country, and let's put it on the table. We have right now, okay, we're going to hit the debt limit tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, so okay, officially. They can use extraordinary measures yeah, from now yeah. until June, yeah. and, and now we can go ahead and talk about how we're going to tackle this $31 trillion debt, national debt that we have, that every man, woman, and child has a obscene piece and share of, and do it. But the White House is saying, no, we won't even bother talking. But, but it's I not agree, a good position. I agree, I agree with the White House. 
uh, with, the, with the Democrats, with Biden, that this is not something they negotiated. They spent the money. You shouldn't talk? No, they spent the money. They got to approve. It's not the, that the Democrats spent the money. Both the parties agreed that this is what they should spend for military spending, for support of the troops, for, for paying their bills, all the different bills. So they've already agreed to that. So you don't negotiate, uh, you know, at the, at the end of a gun or, a, or a creating a, a nuclear disaster in the, in the markets uh, because uh, you want to get this done. You Crisis creates opportunity. You, you probably know that better than most. But, uh, but not, a, not, a, not an opportunity to destroy the, uh, the financial markets and, and the security of the, of the nation in terms of the, the world. It, it doesn't only, only affect the United States. That if every, every country in the world holds, holds major pieces of our bonds. Sure. And, well, but, uh, but if you're playing and poker and the guy across the table doesn't think you're going to... He knows immediately that you're bluffing, then there's nothing... Uh, but you don't play poker with... Or you don't play... Uh, with the Russian, Russian roulette. You know, this is playing Russian roulette. You know, you're, you're right. You're, I, I'm a strong believer always that they should be talking and they'd be negotiating and this confrontation and this polarization is horrendous. But that's the condition. But now we're talking about a specific issue that has no... Uh, you know, no negotiating room. Um, you know, they could negotiate, they could give in uh, to every, but that's against their basic principles, just like uh, the principles, the basic principles of the Republic is, Republicans is they don't want to raise the uh, taxes for the top 1% or, or 10% where the money would most be likely be able to come from to pay these uh, deficits and, and these uh, obligations. Well, I think you look at, let, I mean, let's go back two weeks even, and we're going to go back, we go back to a group of people. Two weeks? You want to go back to no, no, I'm ancient talking, history? Ancient history, two weeks ago. Like, okay, I want to go back right. to, to the idea that you had a group of Republicans in the House who wouldn't vote for Kevin McCarthy. They couldn't back a winner. They, they had no candidate who actually could right. actually win. Right. But instead they said no. We, we, what's your opinion? My opinion is no. Right. Do you support? I support no. Right. I, it's, I, I mean, you are pointing out something correctly that there is no, if you don't have an alternative proposal, in a sense, you're not, you're not doing anything. But there is, there is definitely a feeling, and I think that this is a, this is a, a feeling amongst certain representatives, I, I don't want to call out specific names, who are more, <clears throat> let's say, per performative, and they are interested in governing. They're not really in Washington to pass legislation or to govern. They're really there to perform in front of the cameras. And the kind of similar to what we're doing right now. But the but they are they are there. But they're not. The, but so so you have that you have that minority if there. Michael, if they were just there performing, I'd have no problem. But they're affecting legislation. So why don't the Democrats, why don't, why doesn't Hakeem Jeffries come to Kevin McCarthy and say, I got 20 votes for you and for the good of the country? I'm sure there are 20 moderate Democrats who are willing to go along with the Republicans. And, you know, maybe I'm sure there are probably 50 moderate Democrats. You think there's 20 around. Democrats that would agree to cut Social Security? Well, first of all, or, we're, not or, cut, we're not necessarily... The, the proposals, well, that's the the proposals out there are not necessary to cut, okay? Everybody knows that, number one, we all, we, all know that, we all know that Social Security long-term will be insolvent, I right? Hope. Every study says that. Okay, you know, so that's that's something that my generation has to worry about. My kids' generation have to worry about. So, not looking at the long-term health of our entitlement programs is just you know putting the head in the sand. Similar to the idea of well, not caring about the debt ceiling. That's also putting your head in the sand. That's no way pe the people did not send you to Washington and elect you to govern a country without taking that responsibility seriously. So let's if everybody if one person should take it seriously. Everybody should take it seriously. I can't call upon the idea that oh, that only negotiation should only be around the, what the Democrats want or the Democrats' agenda. No, it's the Democrats are saying 
Just let's extend. Let's just keep spending. Let's just keep it going. Keep keep rolling it. We're rolling it. No, we spent it already. Right, but we'll keep rolling the debt. We're just going to keep rolling it in perpetuity. No, first of all, we could never... uh, I mean, this country could never um, fail to pay Social Security as long as they can print money. So they would meet their obligation. It might dilute the value of the currency... And that would hurt the wealthiest more than the poor because inflation inflation typically hurts the poorest though. Inflation hurts the inflation. I think that this is actually what what was the downfall of the Democrats in two thousand. You know, if you want to look at where well, Republicans didn't capitalize it enough, but this the first two years of Biden, it was it was because of inflation, and inflation actually hurts people who can't. Who have to, you know, they have to keep up with the spending. No, but inflation. The price of eggs, like I'm kind of, you know, okay, so I have $7 for, for, for eggs. It goes to $8. You know, I can handle that. Okay? You, thank God, can handle that. Right? But, the, that, but, but, but people out there, talking people about out the, there can't handle that. We're talking about the short term and in the longer term. No, I'm talking about inflation in general. Uh, yeah, inflation hurts the. Uh, the wealthy they, far more. Why? I think the wealthy have strategies too. No, though. why? Why does it hurt them more? Because their buying power, their currency, the amount of money they saved buys much less. Right, but you and don't have, you have to be. Wild, but you don't have to be in cash. You can you, you can move your money around. The, the poor people can't move their money around. Well, it doesn't matter what they moved it to. Say they moved it to bonds, then they cash in the bonds. It buys much less. I can. Well, you can move it to a different country. You can move it to a different asset. I can put it in gold. Yeah, but when poor people when can't, they, poor when people aren't buying gold. So when they bring it back to buy something, it buys much less. So inflation. No, you hope that you hope eventually it's going to pass. I, but, I, but over time, no, you're ta- no but yes, you're talking about persistent systemic yeah, inflation like the 1970s. Yeah. I'm talking about inflation, inflation like 2021. Inflation is devastating to the wealthy. For sure, it's devastating. I think it's devastating to the whole economy. No, short term, it's devastating because if you're buying, if if if, if Joe Biden hadn't thought that he was FDR coming into 2021. He's coming in. I'm going to pass this massive, and we're just going to spend, 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 and somehow but not. If, if I have no savings, it doesn't dilute the value of what I have. I have no savings. Yes, but but your but your paycheck, your paycheck, your five hundred dollar, no, no. your five hundred dollar paycheck goes that, a lot. That that's a good point. But normally, the wages stay current during this inflationary period. Wages have gone up to keep employees. Got, but but not but not to the rate that of people people were paying a lot more. That was a complaint around the country of people were falling behind because the costs keep going up. A basket of groceries is 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 significantly more expensive for people. Meat. I mean, now people. The whole egg crisis is people not just the avian flu, but people switching proteins because they can't afford meat anymore. Now they're going to eggs to get their protein. And so now eggs are now seven dollars a dozen. Well, that's that's another subject about the free market. No, about the free markets <laughs> and and the uh, uh, opportunists. They would they would say the capitalists always are looking to maximize their profits, so they keep uh, raising. There's no reason why. Well, that's how you keep things on the shelves, right? Otherwise, no, yeah, if if people get to produce at, at less than they than they are, they're going to stop producing. No, but. They would produce because otherwise they could keep the eggs, but but they're in a position where they can dictate that they're just like uh, oil. Oil should be twenty dollars a barrel the most. Every time OPEC decides that it shouldn't be there, it should be eighty dollars a barrel. They announce they're cutting it and so forth. If they did that within this country, they'd all be in jail. And we stand there back and like like we're helpless. Like uh, some woman that's getting raped and just lays back and uh, we've been raped. It's been the biggest external tax in the history of the human race. And we, the strongest country in the world, are letting Saudi Arabia do that to us? It's outrageous. It's, uh, how do, why don't we punish them as we're punishing the Russians and the Iranians by putting sanctions on them? Why don't we charge the, the, every time they announce that, why don't we say whether we're not going to sell you the armaments you want, we're not going to well, we're, we're, we're going to raise. We're going to raise the the price of wheat and corn and whatever you whatever essentials you look for in the world. We're going to return the the screwing that you're doing to us. We ha- we have sanctions already on the 
on not on the Saudis. I'm, well, I'm saying, but on the Iranians and the Russians. No, and the, that those are the ones that were. When we get angry at some countries, we, but I'm saying, well, maybe Joe Biden, nobody we should maybe more, Joe Biden. There's should, nobody we should be more angry at than the people that, that contribute the most to the inflation. The oil companies raised it. You know, a year, a little over a year ago. You know what oil was selling at? From oil, Saudi Arabia? Minus forty dollars. They paid you. For oh, it. well, that's they, that was well, in the beginning of COVID. Yes, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. at the beginning of COVID. Well, you wait. The futures contract. They were saying that's no, right. not they the, it because the it could, oil was the uh, demand fell off the cliff. Not, yeah. not future instant. Right. Because why? It wasn't that the demand changed so much. They had so much stored on every warehouse, on every freighter, on every oil tanker. They had nowhere where, where to put anymore, so they had to stop producing. Right. But the reason they pay you to take it is when they stop producing, there's a danger that when they open up the, the thing again, it doesn't produce or it produces much less. So they're paying you to to you for them to be able to continue to, to drill. I, I would guess that uh, the White House probably second-guessing their own strategy for not engaging with uh, with Saudi Arabia and trying to avoid dealing with MBS. How do you how do you negotiate with somebody that's raping you? A woman is a uh, woman's land back and is getting have, raped and say, have to say look, I'll, I'll give you more. Uh, I'll cooperate more. I'll do." It's called it's what called a symbiotic relationship. No, no, we, we we don't get anything. From what, a, not, we don't get anything from a relationship with Saudi Arabia. We get screwed. What do you mean? When I'm telling you that oil shouldn't be more than twenty dollars if it was competitive, we believe in free markets. Right. We should insist on free markets on the market setting the price. Well, instead of and 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 the how does it work? Why why does it why is it happening? Because it's a collaboration. It's a cartel. Of the, forget about it being a cartel. It's a collaboration of the major. Uh, American companies, Exxon and uh, well, the United States, Mexico. The United States is the largest uh, producer of oil in the yeah, in the world, and they're the ones that that collaborate with. I'll give you some history. So I think Exxon Mobil and all that, they should solve the debt crisis. Let me let and me, then make uh, them do it. Let me tell you something. Years ago, you may you're too young to know, but I I lived in a I voted for Abraham Lincoln. I'm oh. I'm, I'm you know. I'm in, trying to get into my second century shortly. It was it was sad when he was assassinated. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I was brokenhearted. <laughs> but I still continue to watch the show. <laughs> like all human beings. <laughs> now with it, there's a lot going on. But I continued. I paid for the show. I wanted to see the rest of the show. <laughs> but his traditionally, you may not know this, or you may know of it, because it was in in the history books when I was young. When when um, some when some uh, foreign country like Ecuador uh, allowed their uh, companies or their military to take over a banana farm, the United States sent down battleships. They called it gunboat diplomacy. The minute we sent down battleships. They left, right? With the oil business, up to 1972, oil was a dollar barrel. Throughout the world, a dollar barrel. And how did that come about? The Saudis and all of the Middle East and most of the rest of the world had no idea how to get this valuable, they didn't even realize it was valuable, mm -hmm. to get this valuable commodity out of the ground. So the United States company said, look, we'll get it out of the ground for you. We'll give you our technology. We'll come and do it for you for a percentage of the of the sales, of the revenues. So that was the deal for many years up to 72. So the Saudis made money and, and the American companies make, made money. Then the, the Libya decided they're going to take it back just like they the farmers and or the people in Ecuador grabbed the banana farms. If the United States immediately sent down battleships, or if the Exxon screamed, in the case of, of uh, Ecuador or those countries, 
United Fruit, which was the largest distributor of uh, corn and uh, the various food products, screamed, the government reacted. When, when, when Libya th uh, uh, grabbed it, instantly the price went up to three, four dollars the next day, the next week. So the American companies, instead of screaming and yelling, they were delighted because selling it at three dollars and getting uh, all, the, all their uh, reserves throughout the world in the United States and Texas and Indonesia and being worth much more and getting a, a, a selling percentage rather than an ownership percentage. A, a selling percentage on $3 was worth more than an ownership of a, a percentage of a dollar. They collaborated and they, they joined in this, in this rape, in this, in this uh, as I said, if they, if they were, were judged as other uh, industries and companies, they would have been in jail for collaborating to raise the price. This, it's a collaboration to screw the public. <laughs> and, 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 and the big companies went along. And the government went along because the big companies control it. We don't live in a democracy. 70% of the people want gun control. But what, who do they follow? The, the, the donors. And the NRA is one of the biggest donors, especially totally targeted. Other people have a lot of issues. Well, the people they have who, one issue. The people who, who tend to favor gun rights tend to be more passionate about guns than the people who are... More passionate, more dedicated and spending their money at it. More well, they, 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 a lot of people right. tend to be... Look, politicians like to go after single-issue voters. If you have a single-issue right. voter, right. that this is your thing, those people get more attention. As my, opposed to somebody says, well, my, I care about this, Michael, this, this, not this. only go after them, they're afraid that the, 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 they're so powerful. If you vote for any gun control, it's well known that you're going to be primaried whether you're Democrat or Republican. So they know that they can't vote against it. Yep, that's no, no question. You know. No question. The, the, the gun rights activists have certainly been a very potent political force, yeah. as are, you know, that's, I, mean, you, I mean, people who are both sides of the abortion debate, pro-life, I'm sure that if people who were fiscal hawks, you know, who cared about deficits, okay, cared as much about that issue, or as passionate about that issue as gun rights activists were, we would probably have at least had some more fiscal restraint in this country years ago. But people tend not to be, that's a diffuse issue. It's not something that people, because people always think, okay, somebody else will pay for it. Because that's you know, a lot of people's attitude. So therefore, it is something that you know has metastasized over the years and just become a runaway problem. No, but but clearly, if you're a deficit hawk, or if we responded to the deficit hawks, then all of the safety net programs would be uh, undermined and, and uh, because... Well, there's a lot of programs in this country that the federal government does that we probably don't need. I mean, I haven't gone, but, you know, and we also spend money pretty frivolously. I, you know, I think there was an article in the Journal or the New York Times about... Um, uh, two weeks ago on the job classification, people who are social security disability benefits that they, that they use the job titles they haven't updated the job titles in, since the 1960s that's 70 years that they haven't 50 and 60 years that they have not updated the job title and yet the federal government continues to spend money on funding these programs to the tune of like $300 million a year. I mean, it's, just, it's breathtaking the scope of the, of the government and how much, I, is, how much is spent. I absolutely. New York State right now is going for a $200 billion budget. It's, it's unbelievable. I remember when they, it wasn't more than 10 years ago, we passed $100 billion. How do you go $100 billion in, in 10 years? It's just, it's, so there's no sense of what government spends, how government should spend it, and there's no discussion. We just continue on and continue on. Apparently, the voters are satisfied with that. Otherwise, Some voters, I said if there were if people looked at that as their number one issue, but people don't look at it because people who tend to be fiscal hawks they they tend to have a number of issues that. But if they were as passionate and dedicated as the as the uh, uh, gun rights activists, then I think you'd have a you'd have probably have a similar situation. There's no question that uh, many of these safety net programs are abused. They're abused. You know, people collect double checks or 
Look at the COVID programs. I mean, Which, the COVID fraud was unbelievable. The Paypack Paycheck Protection Program. I mean, the fraud was just unbelievable. Well, that's that's hmm. that happened. So you know, we, that, those are things. And well, we don't want to we don't want to deal with those. So. No, but but on the other hand, where we're the wealthiest country, we're certainly a wealthy enough country to take care of the most needy. And there's no reason why anybody who works full-time shouldn't have a, a wage that gives them a decent life. That they shouldn't have to be on food stamps and their kids shouldn't be starving. And we have a, a enormous uh, poverty amongst uh, young uh, kids. Only, only yesterday I read that the major uh, cause of death of, of kids, of children, is our guns. Now, you know, that, that they were saying because parents leave their guns around. I think it's that as well as the attacks on school children in school. But, you know, there's no reason we, we, we should, no other country has it. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tragedy. And, Every and other countries have, Denmark, you know, we, there, there's, what do you call it, Michael? I don't know if you're familiar. The UN or some other agency does the happiness uh what is it called? The index. Index. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sure. See, I'm glad I invited the, because I'd be frustrated for the next <laughs> half hour. I know what I'm doing. Sadly, I, I must depart. I apologize. This has been really exciting, a real treat for me. Sure. So I thank you my, so much. I lost my wife. Now I lose you. <laughs> oh, wow. I you know, your wife was one of a kind. I can't possibly measure up to that kind of talent. But anyway, so, there was no, there was nobody like Rosie. Don't be, there don't was nobody be, like don't, her. Don't be so humble. Don't, I, so, trust don't me. So much humility. Trust me. You, but it's great the to see index, you. the happiness index, the United States should be right on top, right yeah, where we the world is. We should be. You know, we're, we're number sixteen in the world. Exactly. Which, which are the world? world which are the happiest? Scandinavians. You got it. Finland's. Even even Israel. Yeah. Israel's number ten. Could it, you believe Israel's ahead of the United can States? Can you imagine all those Jewish people? They don't fetch all the time. I mean, seriously. <laughs> so, okay. All right, thank thank you. you very much. Thank you for your wisdom. A pleasure. I'm going to invite, invite you. I'm going to invite you back for sure okay, to finish. Great. great. To finish this. Okay, you, did you, I disagree enough? Was I okay? You, you okay, were, I did you, enough. You okay. were great. <laughs> Welcome to the second half of uh, the podcast. Um, the deputy mayor had an urgent uh, matter and he had to leave. So uh, I'm going to introduce my other terrific guest, uh, cohort, Judge Vincent Peroni. And he's got tremendous wisdom. I respect, even though I often disagree with much of what he uh, uh, contends, I have enormous respect for his wisdom and his insights and his understanding of government and taxes and all the issues we're discussing now. And particularly what was the New York Times headline today, which was front page headline, Wall Street braces as the fault risk hangs over us. It's all in the hands of Congress. With rescue by Treasury uncertain, plan is to minimize fallout. And uh, our former uh, head of the Federal Reserve and now Secretary of Treasury, ja Janet Yellen, Yellen uh, has, um, has warned us against the danger of... Um, not raising the uh, raising the uh, debit the deficits that uh, uh, the uh, the um, debt the debt ceiling. Sorry, the debt ceiling, uh, and the consequences could be dire. So let me introduce Vincent Vinny. Vinny, if my former tennis partner, a great tennis player, he used to beat me up in tennis, now he's going to beat me up on uh, my views, on my more liberal views. He's uh, definitely a major conservative, in some respects too conservative, because anything that 
I say it's worthwhile. He calls uh, uh, socialism or communism. That's that's the uh, the, uh, the use of the hawkish Republicans who who uh, apply pejorative uh, implications on on those words, socialism and communism, and they are negative, but we're we're not even close. We're we're not embracing. Uh, uh, Socialism or communism. I have to point out that when I was a kid, a long, long, long time ago, when Roosevelt introduced Social Security and and um, unemployment insurance, things that are so vital to our existence today, and so uh, high on on America's uh, value system. Um, the system, the values of Americans. Uh, it was called that. It, uh, Roosevelt was called a communist, or a, or he was introducing communism and socialism. So let me say, introduce uh, Mr. Judge Vinnie Peroni, Judge Peroni, and Judge, what do you want to say? Thank you, thank you. It was always a pleasure talking with you. Uh, it was a lot more fun playing tennis because I don't think we had as much a difference in our views as we share now. But I always learn from the conversation. And I have to tell you, you're persuasive in what you say. Uh, I, I disagree when you point out, I, move, I say we're moving towards socialism and communism. I don't think communism is something that I had in mind. But I certainly do think that this country is moving towards a socialistic society. Now, there's been changes over the years, many years. Of course, we had monarchies, we had feudalism, and as history moves on, so do changes in the different policies. But I, I still feel that what made this country great were the individual efforts, the opportunities people had. Now, uh, I think that when the government increases its spending to such a point when there's, it threatens actually our, our, our future existence. Uh, it's, we are rewarding a lot more and a lot, a lot more than, than we should be. That's what I feel. I, I think that the government has an obligation, of course. We have an obligation to take care of those less fortunate. But are these policies creating a society where people just take and give. I like to point out that during a pandemic, how many millions were wasted? How many millions were swindled in this giveaway of the, the program? That, to me, is socialistic. And that's why I feel that there has to be a limit. There has to be a limit on spending. There has to be a limit on what we could do. Is there and are there functions that the government should have? Of course there are. National defense, health and safety, protection against many, many of the items in the country. Now, you argue, or I know you feel that uh, uh, the military is, we spend too much on the military. I'm not saying we don't spend, but I say we do need a military. So that's why, Morty, that's where we differ. I differ that, uh, I think that we are going over the limit. Perfect example is, and of wasted money, is on the immigrant situation. Now, you could say that these poor souls are coming into our country because they've been persecuted where they are. But look what it's doing to New York. I think $2 billion is being expended to take care. Don't you feel that, or shouldn't there be some limit? Shouldn't the government be taking a more active part in controlling the borders? They're not. And that, again, is socialistic as I see it. And I think it's great, a great problem. It's certainly going to put New York City into bankruptcy. And not to say the least of the possible crime increase, which necessarily has to happen if these people aren't working. Where are they going to get funds and money? So I think that uh, uh, it's a terrible situation. I think that there has to, do I think that we should allow the government to default? Of course not. I think it's important that we continue. It would be a disaster, as it's reflected 
in the New York Times article that you read, and certainly will be reflected in the stock market. But again, I think that the individual should be rewarded based on his efforts and what he's done. To those who cannot or are unable for valid reasons, I think there's an obligation to help, support, and continue their existence. But to those who are sitting back on a gravy train and where these monies are creating a society that, is, uh, that actually encourages non-work uh, and beating the system as it has, I think it's a problem for this country. So that's where we differ, my friend, Morty. Yeah, I know uh, uh, that you have strong feelings and uh, 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 in the opposite direction. Vinny, you but it's make, always a pleasure. Vinny, you make a lot of good points, and certainly uh, the government has a lot of waste, and uh, some programs are overdone, and immigration may be one of them, although immigrants have historically, traditionally made major contributions to the advancements of this country, particularly as our uh, birth rate is now declining. It's, uh, we're hardly replacing the people. So we need the influx of uh, immigrants. The way, the way it's handled is poor, but we definitely should increase the number of immigrants that are invited into this country uh, every, every year. Uh, it, the question is, uh, is it right to do it for political asylum? I think, you know, to the extent that we could afford to, and, and we're saving people from torture and, and uh, terrible uh, uh, killings and rapes and so forth, we should try to accommodate them. But we should definitely increase the number of um, students that graduate here who come to... We have so many great students that come here to study and graduate with advanced degrees, and then we don't give them citizenship. They go back to their own countries. They should be immediately authorized, uh, given extended uh, path to citizenship to this country, because they're the ones that help make uh, our, our uh, technology, our science, our research so much more effective. But the, that, that's true that uh, we're, we're spending a lot and probably not in the, in, in the best way, uh, in a perfect way. It'll never be perfect what we spend. But we, when you say during the pandemic we spent a lot of money, Keynes, John Keynes, who was one of the greatest economists ever in my view, along with Adam Smith who developed the idea of capitalism, was uh, urged that during difficult economic periods, the government step in and avoid uh, and to avoid major catastrophes like the uh, Great Depression or the outcome of a pandemic where suddenly tons of people are laid off and production slows and uh, uh, people don't show up to work so that much less taxes are paid and so forth that the government has to throw that money into the pot and then uh, unfortunately I unlike Keynes, Keynes uh, uh, advised, but when times are good, pay down the deficit. That we never do. Uh, or Congress is always willing to spend more, but to cut expenditures, to pay down debt, they're never willing to do. So, and I do feel that these safety net programs, even that are maligned all the time, you know, people will rip it off, they, they get double and triple. Some of them are ripping off the uh, the government and, and the safety net uh, by by abusing it, by collecting more than they should, by not being even being entitled to it. They make claims, but on the other hand, we're a rich enough country, and I think the U.S. and the entire world uh, is a, like a giant extended family. And ideally, shouldn't families take care of each other? So to the extent there are so many people in poverty or, or children, there's over a million children that are in dire poverty, even in the United States, the wealthiest country in the world. And, and these safety net programs 
save the lives or, or make them tolerable of about 23 million people that without these safety net programs would, would be in, in uh, horrendous poverty and, and ill and, and dying prematurely and so forth. So we do a lot of good things with our safety net programs, even though they're, as you point out, abused and, and there's a, a lot of waste unnecessary waste, but that's part, you know, we're not perfect, uh, even in the Constitution or the, uh, the Bill of Rights, it says uh, we should work towards a more perfect union. We, we're far from perfect, and, and ideally, we should pursue the, the victim that our forefathers uh, advised us or urged us to provide uh, uh, What's, what's the victim? Life, liberty. Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So if, any, if anybody has a full-time job, they should certainly get enough to, to have a decent life. Not a great life, not a, but a decent, uh, tolerable life. And that's something that the government should produce. And, and the countries that produce it are the happiest countries. The United States is the wealthiest country in the world, and it should be the happiest country in the world. And in the index of happy countries, the United States is number 16. The, one that's, the ones that are happiest are the ones that provide what I'm just suggesting, a good, a decent lifestyle for their people. And that is Denmark, the, the Scandinavian countries, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Norway, and uh, the United States is number 16 in, in that uh, uh, happiness index. Even Israel, which is a tiny country and certainly not wealthy with resources, is number 10 because they take care of their people. So we should, being the wealthiest company, country, work to be what our forefathers said. In addition to life, liberty, we should provide happiness and not always look to maximize profits. Profits are important. But we forgo happiness for profitability, and and uh, we we some of our corporations abuse uh, the uh, free enterprise by by putting it, by putting it to our people, charging overcharging them during this period for gasoline, for other products, for for eggs, for food products, and and. You know, we, we don't want the government to control any, every, anything, but we absolutely don't want a, a, a society without reasonable re regular regulations, which is, which the Republicans are always for, for lowering taxes for the rich and cutting out regulations. They say regulations are burdensome. Yes, they are burdensome, and you know, and uh, uh, no Grover. Norquist, one of the heroes of the extreme right, and uh, certainly a, a deficit hawk, says we should reduce the size of the government to the point where we could drown it in a bathtub, as if the government is the... Uh, I think uh, uh, Reagan even said, the government's not the solution, the government's the problem. But the government does so many good things that we don't recognize. The FAAA, which controls all uh, uh, flights of air aircraft, of commercial aircraft. We haven't had a major air loss of life on, on commercial aircraft for 30 years. That's a miracle when you think that they're flying over the ocean every day, our cars break down, everything breaks down after years. It's all because the government runs uh, the FAA and, and uh, the government runs the army well at the... Uh, uh, it, it, it comes up with great uh, uh, resource inventions through the depart DOD, depart the, the Department of Defense, which it, which it sponsors billions and billions of dollars of basic research that industry would never perform because industry is looking for a big payback, and government doesn't have to look for a quick payback. They can invest in the future. And even the deficit, when you think about it, is not that all, har all uh, 
the same of, of the same nature. When we spend it for military equipment, it's it's the end. We 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 it's gone. It's blown up in the wars. It's when we when we invest it in uh, highways and and schools and and the things that make for a a stronger society for a, great, a stronger future for a, a better economy. It's like having a a deficit because you you bought a house and you took a mortgage. You you you're not worse off. You're better off. You, you do have a deficit. You do have a mortgage, but but you you are better off than you were before you you bought the house. And when you finally pay it off, you're way better off. So deficits are are. Useful if they're used for the right things. If they would spend it for defense of all the things that are going to kill us, you and me, my children, the, the president of the United States, Congress, the senators, their children, to 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 defend against the things that are going to kill us. Because few of us, if any, are going to get killed by foreign terrorists coming on shore. Yes, we did have uh, 9/11, but that's one incident that killed 3,000 people. None of us are going to die, or very few of us, a tiny portion of us. But we're all going to die from cancer and heart disease and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and diabetes and all these harrowing, heinous diseases. That's where we should spend our defense dollars. Defense against that. I don't mind producing deficits for that, but for military equipment to fight wars all over the world, which we are doing, which we've been doing for the last, since the end of the Second World War. We haven't won any of the wars. We've lost our most precious young men and women and our treasure, our blood and our treasure. Uh, so it's time to change our, our priorities and our behavior and, and invest in the things that make for all our citizens a better life. Vinny, do you take issue with that, or is that socialism or communism, or what? Well, first of all, Morty, I, uh, I have to go back to the immigration problem. Uh, you gild the lily and floss over and talk about the wonderful students. And certainly, I can only, uh, there are so many wonderful things. Our country is built on immigrants to a great extent. However, but there was limitations. You talk about the students doing well. How about the gangs and that of coming from this country, these young people who are recruited the minute they come here over here into gangs the crime that escalated more murders are being committed in the name by these same immigrants these wonderful that you talk about and you know it was interesting of course i once had an opportunity some time ago to see the and look at the immigration policies of other countries. It's strictly limited. It's nowhere near what ours is. We opened up the doors, and not only that, but now we're doing worse. We're allowing people illegally to come over the border. Biden and his policies and his do-good, which had to appeal to the base of the progressives that he has sought and repaid to the detriment of a lot of the citizens of this country. What is the pulse of the American today? Yeah, uh, what percentage of Americans are happy with the way this country is being run? More, are, I would say, are against or are not happy, are disappointed, certainly because of policies. There's a lot more to the waste. You talk about the rich and the wealthy. How did they get there? They got there through this system of, quote, capitalism. They didn't steal to get there. Did some? Sure, possibly. But most were hardworking. They took the advantage of this country that gave them the opportunity to work and earn and advance. They weren't given a dole. Is there waste? Should the government help those in need? Of course. Should we feed the hungry? who are hungry because of their own inactivity or failure to, to continue in a society the way they should. Yes, of course we have that obligation. And as far as the government goes in connection with its functions, the military, again, health, but are we extended? You point out we're extended all over the world. 
with the military. Should we? I agree. To some extent, we shouldn't be in some of those areas. But could we afford a policy of isolation? Could we have afforded it World War II? What would have happened if we sat back and let Hitler advance? Let the Japanese continue in Asia? Would we be enjoying the freedoms we enjoy now? Never in a million years. They would have overrun and taken over. So I don't think uh, where, you know, the military ain't some of it. And Russia has to be stopped. Uh, do I feel and should, do I feel we should have unlimited support of Russia? No. In fact, I'm concerned of the Ukraine, excuse me, not Russia. I'm concerned of the spending, and I'm concerned that it's bringing us closer to another war. I wonder, and I agree with you, that we shouldn't be in a lot of the areas. We shouldn't have been in Vietnam. I've been to Vietnam. I saw what was done in the name of, uh, you know, freedom. Uh, uh, and it was done to the Vietnamese people. We shouldn't have been in Korea also. But again, uh, uh, there's got to be limitations on what we do and what we don't do. And I think that we've exceeded those limitations today. Okay, as I pointed out to you earlier at some juncture in our conversation, maybe not on this conversation, but the United States has never been attacked in its whole history by a foreign nation. Going back, the last time it was attacked by a foreign nation is when we were still a colony of uh, Great Britain and uh, the British attacked the United States. Since then, we've never. Since then, we've World never. Two, we've we've I'm never. Sorry to you. We were never attacked. World War II, we, there was submarine activity. We, we, we were never. There were Germans that were pretty we, sure. We were never. There were Japanese that were vessels. Yes, we, they were. We were never attacked. There was certainly, and they were executed. I, I lived through the Second World War. We were never attacked once on our uh, the, our own land. Never. We we had. Uh, 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 at school, we had, there were balloons that were sent over no, that well, exploded and created. If I recall well, correctly, one woman was a casualty as a result of some of the balloons that were released by the Axis powers in the United States. So I consider that an attack. I consider an attack when 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 Germans are put ashore if one woman and created havoc in Canada. If one that's woman, an attack. Vinny, you're exaggerating. If one woman was attacked, or even if a thousand women were attacked, we were never attacked on our war, our land. Pearl Harbor was attacked, but it was not part of the United States. We had our um, uh, Navy down there, and they bombed our uh, battleships and our destroyers and so forth. We've never been attacked. We're the only country that's never been attacked and that have been in so many wars. But let me go back to you. Let me go back. What? Should we have ignored what happened in Pearl Harbor? No, that that was a, a justifiable war. But since then, we've been in the Korean War, in the in the in the uh, Vietnam War, in the, in the Iraqi War, in the uh, Afghan War. None of which we've won. We've lost uh, uh, so many millions of our most precious young men and women and, and, and fortunes uh, in, in terms of the country's treasure. And we have nothing to show for it. So, uh, but I want to get back to the... I agree with you. I want to get back to the immigration. The immigration, uh, yes, there are crimes committed by the immigrants, but it's greatly exaggerated uh, for political reasons. And, and I want to point out, particularly in your case, which is, and in my case too, you, your family came over from Italy. You're only here because of their emigrating to the United States. They were immigrants. And at that time, when I was a kid, Italians were abused. They were, they were uh, just like immigrants today are abused. They, they were saying Italians are no good, they're this, we're doing... You have no idea how badly Italians were, were and Irish were abused. Oh, I have a great every, idea. Every, 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 every I've been involved in organizations uh, in connection with the, the, uh, what was, that happened to Italians, Americans. So I was president of several organizations that dealt with or attempted to deal with the problem and still do. In fact, I can recall very clearly when I ran for public office for state senate way back in 1970 and my secretary reported to me and she pointed out that her employer, uh, uh, the attorney, is running for the state senate 
<laughs> so I know persecution for what? That's a true story. And that actually happened. <laughs> and and uh, so how did, uh, I realized. How did she find out that you were so connected to the mafia? I never knew that. I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, they probably cut no, my, but took my records and, you know, booking right. things of that nature. And I did have a license to kill. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> no, but that, that was... No, but that's... In fact, how long did it take for... Vinny, Vinny, that's... The corporate level. Vinny, that's... On of directed. Right. You know that. Yeah, I mean, not only that. Lady, you, you were always leading political figures. Every mayor, practically. LaGuardia... Giuliani, almost every mayor was of New York was was Italian. You're you're leaders in, in so many fields. But I'm just pointing out that immigrants early on when they first start to arrive are always maligned and they contribute a lot. You just said uh, the the ones college students. I just said those are the ones should, that should be especially prioritized to be made citizens, uh, have accelerated path to citizenship. So, uh, you know, you can make anything terrible. All of the good things that this country does to help its, its least, the most vulnerable, its least blessed, uh, you can make it a terrible thing because it leads to deficits. But, but, but it's one of the uh, mitzvahs, one of the good deeds that we do and, and that we should continue doing so kids aren't... Uh, Dying of of uh, malnutrition, from and and such a large percentage. I just read twenty three million people survive based on uh, on our safety nets. Twenty three million people. That's a lot of people, and so it, it's a, clearly a good thing. It's not perfect, but it's a good thing. So, um, and it's not so socialism or communism. It's it's uh, it's heartfulness. It's it's caring about our fellow man, it's particularly our fellow fellow countrymen. I know you. I know you're good-hearted. You're charitable. You're you're religious. So uh, you're terrific. You 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 don't epitomize what you what you're pre preaching with respect to, to keeping uh, avoiding raising the and 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 we want we, the republic the Republicans. <coughs> Don't raise it, even though they they already spent the money. They're backing off. They're 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 uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's what's the word? Uh, you know, they're uh, they're not paying their bills. They're not uh, uh, what what's the word? Like when you screw your your the, the person who lends you money. They we we've already spent that money. They they can't say we're not gonna. They're reneging, but they're, uh, there's a word for them. You call anybody that reneges on a, a payment, uh, uh, a slouch. There's a better word. I got. I always got to work with my thesaurus. But anyway, we have to Hello? we have to raise the uh, this thing because it's very hazardous to leave it at the. The, um... I agree. I mean, there's, there's no question about that. But we do have to examine the reasons how we got to that limit. You know, Woody, we could do uh, I agree with the wonderful I, feeling I, I, that I, the rich should be taxed and should be taxed more because they have an obligation to the poor. But I don't know. I, how does the person who who was in, lived or born and in poverty, so to speak, or uh, let's put in, in, in financial situations where, which weren't exactly ideal. He struggles, he educates himself, he advances, and he earns money. Now they're saying that you shouldn't have all that money that you've earned. You have an obligation to give to others, and especially when others are abusing that privilege. How do you justify that? I'm going to... That, don't you think that's what the American people, when they say a great deal of them, are dissatisfied with what's happening in this country today? I feel that's a reason, and I feel that Don Goodwin too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm writing a book now on what, what, what would you do if you were king? And one of the statistics I found remarkable is that uh, the best periods in the United States economy was when the taxes were the highest. 
90% was the marginal tax rate. And the economy was, was the best ever during those periods. And when taxes came down for the rich, it, it, the economy uh, uh, sunk. It was much less rewarding. So I'm not saying take away the money for the rich as they do in, in, uh, as they did in France, took away everything from everybody who had anything uh, as part of the revolution. If you don't take care of the little people and you abuse them and you have uh, uh, such great inequality, the ones that suffer the most at the end are the richest people. Even Warren Buffett said, it's, it's really unfair. He's the second or the third wealthiest man in America and one of the wealthiest throughout the world. And he said, I don't think it's fair that I pay a lower tax rate than my secretary. So people that, that make it and are appreciative of it understand that they, and I'm, I'm not happy paying taxes. I made a lot of money. I came from poverty. I came from the Great Depression. That's one of why I worked so hard. That I want to distance myself from, from poverty, from, from failure. But, but I'm happy to pay whatever the government requests because it goes for things that I want, for education, for improving uh, the lives of my fellow citizens. You know, if we all had a choice, uh, you know, some people uh, complain. I'd like to, I don't want to fund the war. Or I don't want to fund uh, uh, money for uh, immigrants or, or people that don't have uh, me uh, medical coverage. Uh, I want to, you know, we, we can't let people choose, pick and choose. We, we, we all agree that we're in the same boat together, we're in the same circumstances, and we all have to all contribute to the good of the nation. If you don't agree with that, uh, what, if you call it that socialism or communism, then I'm definitely a socialist or a communist. But I don't believe that. I'm the biggest capitalist. I don't think that we're in disagreement, Morty, with our obligations and, and our, our duty to take care of those less fortunate uh, than us. I think what we disagree is how it's being done. And in other words, we don't, I don't mind paying taxes at all. I feel it's necessary and it's an obligation for the very functions of government. But I think we disagree in how the money is spent and the waste that goes on and, and for, when it's spent with the things that are unjustified or shouldn't be spent on those things at all. Uh, and, and that's probably the difference between uh, the people on the right and the people on the left, whether you call them socialists, whether you call them, uh, you know, uh, right, uh, traditionalists. I, again, uh, I think that's where the divide is. And that's unfortunately, it's a big divide in this country at this point. Judge, Probably the greatest than it's ever been since Judge, the Civil War. Judge Peroni, Vinny, I really appreciate your offering your great wisdom to our audience and to myself as well. I always learn something from you, even when I, you disagree with me, and, or maybe especially when you disagree with me. And we're going to continue this dialogue because it's important. So we'll do it again soon. But our time is up. So oh. thank you so much. Thank you. you thank were, you, you, you It's always nice talking to you and learning from you. you and trust me, believe me, every time we speak, I learn. You, I learn from a man who has a great deal of wisdom. And thank God that you're willing to share it with the rest of us. You're a beautiful, wonderful human being. You were, and I hope, and I know that you'll be rewarded you were, eternally. Vinny, you were great. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Have a great every day of your life. You too. Bye. Stay well, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye.